Hello, CNTs. Welcome back to WRCT 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Ariel. Hey, 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 this is Erica, and this is CNT, a femme millennial news broadcast self-identifying as fake news. Much like the New York Times, CNN, NBC, and basically every other reliable source Trump tweeted at, but we got to give credit to Fox News. They were unreliable way before it was cool. Check out our latest episodes on iTunes and click the subscribe button while you're at it. You need real news and we need the followers. So stay tuned to CNT. Politically aware. But not always correct. Before we get into the story of the day, here's a little PSA. Howdy guys, gals, and non-binary pals, CNT here. Now today we'll be bringing you some quick and easy steps for a little something you've been thinking about for a long while. That's right, this is the official how-to guide for deleting that pesky Uber app right off your Apple or Android smartphone. Oh, you've thought about this before. You thought about it when Uber got caught sabotaging competitors, and again when that third lady got abducted, and another time when they began placing folks with robots. Oh, you wobbled your thumb over that button and just chicken-footed out, didn't you? We know. The time for excuses is gone, friends. The time has come to say no. Bad Uber. We're not standing for your capitalist nonsense no more. Maybe if you were more like your brother Lyft, pledging a million to the ACLU when speaking up for your Muslim employees, now we wouldn't be forced to put our foot down. But strike-breaking Uber? messing with that hard-working New York taxi union who are just trying to stand in solidarity with hashtag Muslim ban protesters. We thought you were better than that. Oh, we're not mad, Uber. Just disappointed. If you're gonna act like a dirty scab, Uber, we've got no choice but to pick you right off. You all got all that, friends? Let's do the deed together now, nice and gentle. You all got in front of you your Apple or Android smartphone? All right, now locate your Uber app. That's the little watt black one with a little circle in the middle labeled U-B-E-R. Are we all there? All right, now hold down on the application button for two to three seconds until it begins to wobble back and forth. This is your Uber app in its final throes of death. Don't get pussy-footed, folks. We're going to tap the X in the top left corner of the application button. If you've aimed right, a text box should pop up asking you to confirm your action. This is your pitiful Uber app begging for mercy. And this is not the time for pity, folks. Finally, and this step is very crucial, so listen carefully, we're going to press delete. Not cancel, but delete on the pop-up box. That's D-I-E, delete. Did you press it? Good. Now that wasn't so hard, was it? Together, we have defeated the evil. Bye-bye, Uber. Bye-bye. Welcome back, CNTs. Now it's time for our main story. What the Trump is going on? On Friday, Trump signed an executive order titled Protecting the Nation from Foreign Terrorist Entry into the United States, a.k.a. how to piss off everyone in one signature or less. Now, you've probably already heard about this, and if you're anything like us, which I would highly recommend, you've called your senators, you've deleted Uber off your phone, you've done everything short of showing up to Paul Ryan's office with used tampons. What can we do next? Well, 
I think the center of this is looking at what exactly the ban is putting into place. We here at CNT did extra homework just for you and read the whole stupid thing. The whole thing. First thing they bring up is 9-11, because politicians love doing that. Now, it's critical to note that the terrorists behind the attack were almost all from Saudi Arabia, a country that's not even on the ban list. And people from Afghanistan and Pakistan were involved in the San Bernardino and Orlando shootings. Also, not on the ban list. So, who is on the ban list? None other than Iraq, Iran, Libya, Yemen, Somalia, Sudan, and Syria. Now remember, no Americans have ever been killed by any refugees from any of these countries, ever. Now that's not to say that we need to ban more people from more countries, because even if this insane executive order had been passed before the San Bernardino, Orlando, or 9-11 attacks, this wouldn't have even impacted the perpetrators. So why wouldn't Saudi Arabia be on Trump's... Oh, right. Because they're on his payroll. We're not saying that that's the sole reason why people from this country aren't blocked from coming here, but it's very suspicious that all the countries in this region, not mentioned, happen to have ties to the Trump brand. According to government agencies, this order applies not just to refugees or immigrants newly seeking entry into the U.S., but even to people from those seven countries who currently hold green cards and are permanent U.S. residents. That means that if these people leave the U.S., they may not be allowed back in. So here we are, protesting at airports, giving Muslims our handmade signs to pray on. That's all well and good. But Ariel, you cry. Obama did this in 2011. And to that, we say... No, he didn't. Faced with actual Islamic threats in Kentucky in 2011, Obama briefly suspending immigrants stemming from Iraq for a period of six months. Immigrants. Not green card holders, while the flow of Iraqi refugees slowed significantly during the Obama administration's review... Refugees continued to be admitted to the U.S., and there was not a single month in which no Iraqis arrived here. So basically, while there were delays in processing, there was no outright ban. But Trump said Obama picked those seven countries. Trump says a lot of things. In reality, these countries were removed from the Visa Waiver Program, a law that allows citizens of 38 countries to travel to the United States without obtaining visas and vice versa. But... This law did not bar anyone from coming to the United States. It only required a relatively small percentage of people to obtain a visa first. So to summarize, Trump is blaming Obama, again, for an executive order he has signed, which is treating Muslim people and nations as interchangeable, subjecting green card holders, dual citizens and refugees alike to humiliation, incarceration, etc., as if they are the very terrorists he's claiming to be protecting us against. All the while, prioritizing Christian refugees over Muslim ones. And that, my friends, is what we call racist. And that's not out of place here in the U.S. Studies from the Republic Religion Research Institute show that more than 6 in 10 Americans have seldom or never had a conversation with a Muslim, saying they know little to nothing at all about Islam. And those numbers haven't budged in nearly 30 years. There are professors, scientists, Oscar nominees, even children who are being stopped and frisked like there's some kind of, uh, oh, I don't know, terrorist. But if they got through every single arduous step that is the U.S. vetting process, what else can we find from them? I mean, anyone who's gotten their criminal history through a heavy-duty round of U.S. background checks deserves to be in the United States and working with the CIA because that's incredible. 
Hundreds of lawyers showed up to work this weekend at a place that most people hate more than a lawyer's office, the airport. Both Boston and New York have filed suits that say it's against the law to deport people based on skin color. <laughs> I mean, terrorist ties. But that didn't stop the West Coast from detaining a couple dozen people while their families protested outside. There's one group of people left out of the protest, though. The All Lives Matter crowd. As if I didn't have to suffer enough watching their Snapchat story. If you're proclaiming that all lives do matter, which is a discussion we definitely don't have time for on our itty-bitty radio show, where are the people coming together to free the families being held and deported back to the countries? I don't see them advocating for the less fortunate. Oh, that's right, I forgot. They only come out when a bundle of cells is on the table. Despite Trump being the worst thing to happen to Twitter, it does have its uses. One woman tweeted about the protest, began Facebook live streaming, and within hours, thousands of protesters showed up to airports in L.A., San Francisco, Washington, Dallas, JFK, Raleigh, Houston, Seattle, Portland, Atlanta, and so on. And I want to congratulate these protesters. You all have made it deafeningly clear that the Women's March is a movement, not a moment. Of course, hate crimes against Muslims have been on the rise, likely as a result of the executive order. Over the weekend in Texas, a mosque was burned down only hours after it was signed. That's the fifth one in recent months. And in a mosque in Quebec, a shooter killed six people and injured 17 more. Just for reference, shootings in Quebec are incredibly rare. Last year, there were only two killings in the metropolitan city. So even Canada's getting violent. Acting Attorney General Sally Yates, a Georgia girl like yours truly, has ordered Justice Department lawyers not to defend challenges to President Trump's immigration order. Yates wrote that, as the leader of the Justice Department, she must ensure the department's position is both legally defensible and consistent with this institution's solemn obligation to always seek justice and stand for what is right. She said, at present, I am not convinced that, that the defense of the executive order is consistent with these responsibilities, nor am I convinced that the executive order is lawful. But guess what? We're on an episode of The Apprentice because hours after her statement, Trump said, you're fired. Now, acting in her place is Dana Bowent a U.S. attorney from Virginia that Obama appointed. He has agreed to enforce the order. Trump's reasoning? Sally betrayed Justice Department because apparently defending the Constitution is a betrayal. I know he never read that thing. Guess what, Trump? The Constitution is $2 at your local bookstore. Get Ivanka to pick it up and before you go fire anybody else. The Senate Judiciary Committee is scheduled to vote today on President Trump's pick for the actual Attorney General Jeff Sessions. You remember him. No? He's the judge that MLK's wife accused of being racist in his court proceedings. Yeah, so probably not the guy you want defending people of color. Just a hunch. But here's the fun part. Apparently in 2015, at Sally Yates' confirmation hearing, Jeff Sessions grilled her about this very situation. Take a listen. You have to watch out because people will be asking you to do things you need, just need to say no about. Do you think the attorney general has a responsibility to say no to the president uh, if he asks for something that's improper? A lot of people have defended the Lynch nomination, for example, by saying, well, he appoints somebody who's going to execute his views. What's wrong with that? But if the views the president wants to execute are unlawful, should the attorney general or the deputy attorney general say no? 
Senator, I believe that the Attorney General or the Deputy Attorney General has an obligation to follow the law and the Constitution and to give their independent legal advice to the President. At least someone stuck to their ideals because in 2015, guess who tweeted calls to ban Muslims from entering the U.S. are offensive and unconstitutional? Mike Pence! Yeah, the VP who believes in shock conversion therapy. The tweet's been deleted since then. In another gesture of defiance, a hundred State Department officials signed a dissent memo warning that barring millions of refugees to find a small number of wannabe terrorists could actually increase the number of real terrorists. The White House told the diplomats to get with it or kick it. Of course, today, Trump couldn't help but tweet, when will the Democrats give us our attorney general and rest of our cabinet? They should be ashamed of themselves. No wonder D.C. doesn't work. Right. This is why D.C. doesn't work. Not because your your ban is unconstitutional, your presidency is unwarranted, and your cabinet is full of spiders and rats and white supremacists. It may be tough to tell because we're so good at concealing our emotions, but we're pretty rattled by this executive order. So we had one of our reporters, Javier Spivey, call our representatives to give them a piece of our minds. Here's some highlights from the conversation. Thank you for calling the United States Capitol. I'm sorry, extension is on the phone. You've reached the voicemail of Senator Pant Toomey. I'm sorry, but that mailbox is full. Thank you for calling the office of U.S. Senator Pat Toomey. User busy. <laughs> Oh my Damn! User busy again? I've never even seen this before. I've never seen that. Who haven't we called? Oh my god. All the lines are currently unavailable right now. We're currently on the other line. Thank you for calling the Butler Office of United States Representative Mike Kelly. Good afternoon, Representative Kelly's office, Tony Speaker. Hi, my name's Javier Spivey. I'm a constituent of Pennsylvania, and I just had a few questions regarding um, Representative Kelly's statements on Trump's immigration ban that came out today. Let me put your hold on my over my desk. Thank you so much. Of course, the one person we reach does not want to speak to us. What, what, are you, what are you trying to, what part are you trying to... In his statement, he said, I respectfully but strongly disagree with the criticism that the order is discriminatory against anybody but people, except and said terrorist groups. As a person of color, you know, like the amount of racial profiling that something like this inspires and that people have to deal with if they look a certain way or if they have a background from said countries, like the kind of behavior that it, legitim it legitimizes and the actions that it's ensuing, the blanket statements that it's making about Muslim people. I, I, I just think it's very un-American and very against everything that we're, you know. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, of course, that's, that's, uh, that's an opinion you can, you're more than welcome to have, and, and that's the great thing about this country is that we can have our opinion. Uh, the, the issue, I think, is that... Uh, you know, the, the seven countries that are on the list were, were put there many years ago by President Obama. He made that list, and he just never acted on it. Had he acted on it then, we probably wouldn't be in the situation we're at now. It, I wouldn't call it an American. The whole purpose is to protect Americans from onslaught of terrorist people coming from those countries. Okay. There's no way to avoid that. You no, know, but I, I know, but then you're just saying that everyone from those countries is a terrorist. Well, no, but we have to be able to vet them to make sure that we're not letting terrorists in here. There, there's no easy way around it. I've done two tours in Iraq. I know what it's like over there. Like, I will shake your hand and, and, and give you a hug and then walk around and shoot you in the back. So we have to be able to vet them safely. The president's ban is only 
temporary until they figure out the correct way to vet them. We never did that. President Obama never stopped and said, hey, okay, what do we need to do to make our vetting process better to make us safer? And that's why it's got to the point we're at. And you have to do it quickly or, you know, you're just warning everybody to quickly fly to uh, America today because they're going to ban us in a week. It is a, it is one of those issues that we're not going to all see eye to it. You know, I see it on a different level because I've been to Iraq several mm-hmm. times. You may have been to Iraq, and thank you for that. But I'm also just talking about when you look a certain way, and you're walking down the street, and, you know, I have to deal with a racist, you know, being very uneasy by my presence or a friend's presence because they have hair. Like, sure, but, th- but that's an individual prejudice. That's not a, that's in, like, me, I'm not prejudiced towards any. Wait, what do you anybody. mean? What, well, sorry, what do you mean that's an individual prejudice? I mean, that's the individual that may have, I mean, just because they put a ban on Muslim countries doesn't make me prejudiced towards that person, those type of people. Just, just because you put a ban on Muslim countries doesn't mean that we're prejudiced towards them? I mean, as an individual, like, I don't walk around the street and say, oh, that dude must be Muslim. So, banning, so in your in your view, banning all Muslim countries from entering the United States is not a prejudice, it's not a prejudice. We didn't ban all, we didn't ban all Muslim countries. No, I'm not, I, I, that's, I know, and that's, I know you didn't, but you just said, you know, if I were to ban Muslim countries, that doesn't mean I'm prejudiced against those people. It doesn't. It doesn't because... It's not about the individuals, it's about the safety of the United States. But we're saying that anyone from those countries is dangerous and a threat to our country. We're letting the actions of the few stand for the actions of the many. Well, the problem is that there's many over there. Only like 11 Americans have been killed by Islamic jihadist terrorists, but by another Americans because of gun control in our country, there have been about 11,737. So how would you explain something like that? Again, we're not going to see eye to eye on this. Uh, The the president has made a decision on it, and and I will gladly pass on your your, uh, concerns. For every every, uh, person with opinion of yours, is there's the same amount on the other side. So uh, which which side is right or wrong? It's, there's no there's no telling which one's right or wrong. But the fact is that uh, the the ban is temporary, uh, and I I expect it probably to be less than ninety days. Personally, if they figure out the the whole process, it's a vetting process. It's not the individual. And unfortunately, there's going to be people that are, are turned away until they figure it out. I understand that we're not going to see eye to eye, but unfortunately, there are also a lot of people in America right now that are going to have to face a lot of ugly truths right now about this country that are really coming to light. This has been uh, boiling up for, for 10 years now. It's not, it's not this is something new. But I know you don't gotta t- you don't gotta tell me. I've been living with that every single day of my life, as I'm sure you've seen too. I mean, I, I understand your point, and, and and you're right. I mean, it, it does seem a little harsh. I guess on the on a little the a little harsh. A but little? again, you know, we're we're talking about national security. We're not talking about a few individuals. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of individuals over the years. I don't see it as discrimination. I see it as uh, border protection. It, because you're letting the actions of a few people speak for the whole country, that's not discriminatory at all? Well, I mean, that's the nature of everything we do. Nobody nobody in any other country but the United States has any constitutional right. So therefore, before they get that constitutional right, they have to be vetted properly to get to come here and go through the proper process to get their, their naturalization. So for me, to me, they, they have no right. It's not, it's not a ban. It's a, it's a halt to... It's not like we're we're saying you're never going to come to America again. We're saying that once our system is back up and and we fix the problems that we're having, and how and how and, and how are we going to fix those problems? But I don't. I'm not. That's not my job. He does also support the cutting of federal funding for sanctuary cities. Well, again, that's. I mean, that's breaking the law. Sorry, what's breaking the law? Uh, harboring illegal aliens. The legality of sanctuary cities differs state by state. But the United, we have uh, rules ran by our state department. 
Yes, but we also have laws written about sanctuary cities and the legality and the justness of them as well. I don't know what the rule. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, that I'm just making up that sanctuary cities. No, are I'm, I'm just saying. I, I mean, I'm saying I don't know what rules and laws you're talking about. I have never seen them. According to the Immigrant Legal Resource Center, the the 10th Amendment prevents the federal government from coercing state or local governments to use their resources to enforce a federal regulatory program like immigration, and thus Congress cannot compel state or local governments to collect immigration status information in order to share it with the federal government. I mean, so, so essentially we're saying it's fine to come here illegally and for people to hide them out. What, no, what I'm saying is, is that th- these people that did come here illegally, for the many reasons that they did have to come here illegally, for whatever reasons, that's past the point. The point is, is that they have been here for such a long time that they are part of our infrastructure. And if we just try to snuff them out like rats, I mean, when you ban sanctuary cities, these people are they're scared to report crimes, to go to the police, everything. When you have this amnesty, when you have this safety, those things are going to get reported. I mean, 70% of undocumented immigrants and 44% of Latinos surveyed are less likely to report if they were the victim of a crime. And 45% of Latinos are less likely to report crimes or voluntarily offer information about crime for fear police officers would about their immigration status. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to debate this with you. It's, it's, it is what it is. Congressman Kelly supports President Trump's executive order. I'll make sure I pass it on. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Javi. Now joining us is Ava Yagmai, an artist and student here at Carnegie Mellon University. She's an American-Iranian citizen whose family is directly affected by this executive order. Thanks for joining us, Ava. Thank you for having me. So what effect does this ban have for you and your family directly? I have a lot of family that lives in Iran currently, and I have baby cousins that I've never met. And I have been thinking about going there and seeing them finally after all those college things are done. And I don't know if I can do that anymore because Iran has been, once the executive order has been put into place, they have answered with a um, resistance against any U.S. citizens coming into the country. So I don't know when I can go over there, even though it's where my whole family is. And my grandparents, they travel to and from Iran, from Seattle to Iran, because they love their home, but they also love being here with us. And my grandma was supposed to go home about in about two weeks, and we have stopped any plans of traveling because we don't know what's going to happen. It's all up in the air. Things, Everybody's just really scared and big decisions are being made. And it's scary because all you can do is kind of just hope for the best. What do you think of the interview that we just heard? I, It's jarring. It's scary. I, I don't know. I feel like alone and helpless. And that's something that a lot of people are feeling right now especially people who who are living in places that are the the that are banned right now and I think as a college student it can feel like I'm stuck and a little bubble within Pittsburgh and like I have nothing I can do but that's actually not true at all I just had a conversation with my friend about it and we were talking about all the different ways we can actually speak up instead of just ignoring or pretending that it's just going to go away because it's not unless people talk about it people write about it people sing about it especially in the arts we have such a strong voice especially in the Carnegie Mellon School of Drama where people are looking at us as this high BFA program and we are we have such a voice to to share and there aren't a lot of Middle Eastern people in the community that we have here and as a person of that ethnicity I 
have been thinking about putting together a group of people who puts on plays that are not seen, that are not seen diverse and making them diverse and so that people can see that as a norm because America right now is diverse. When we look at movies and we see all these um, people being portrayed as white folks, we see it as normal and directors are scared to change that because they think that if they change the norm, they're going to lose followers or they're going to lose people that support them. But we need someone that makes that decision to change it so that they don't care and they're not afraid that they're going to lose followers because that's not the point. The point is to represent America right now and America right now is diverse. What would you like our listeners to know right here and right now? Even though it seems like you can't really do anything about this situation, there are so many ways you can. Um, I want those that are involved in the arts, especially youth, to just be creative and not be afraid to show their new work and get involved and don't be scared that you're not going to be cast as something because you're not that color or that size or that shape or anything. So I think most importantly, speak up. Thank you so much for joining us, Ava. Now it's time for our favorite CNTs, Yaya and Nene, to lighten the mood by answering some questions from our callers. Yes, we have callers. Take it away, ladies. Nay, I had a dream last night. We got locked in this room and were forced to get to know each other. Apparently one girl's dream is another girl's nightmare. It's because you're claustrophobic, right? Not because you're allergic to human love. You're on with Yaya and Nay. What plagues you? So, I'm a senior in college and I currently have two job offers. One is the six figures to be a project manager for this tech company. The other is barely five figures to be a project manager for this nonprofit that provides resources for undocumented immigrants. So on one hand, you know, I'm Latino Americano myself with several undocumented family and friends who are really scared right now. So of course, you know, I really want to help in a real way. But on the other hand, while some people grew up with a silver spoon in their mouth, my spoon was plastic and our dollar store plates were chipped as hell. Sure, the plates always had the best chorizo on it, but who's to say chorizo wouldn't go better with fine chana? So is this my time to be on the front lines of change? Or is this my time to help my immediate family out of tough times? I can't do both. So six figures and that. Go grassroots. Make change now. Yes, he should make change now. For six figures worth of dollars, go corporate. At what cost, though? Selling out ends up being emotionally expensive. I would know. I never choose NSYNC over my brother's inhaler again. But at one point, do you stop being a martyr for the people and just take the win for yourself? Maybe he can go to a march when he's not whining and dining with the Oprahs of the tech world. Mark Zuckerberg is not checking for him. And marches can be in lieu of change. It's supposed to be a demonstration of how many people are contributing to real efforts. One of the jobs is calling me right now, so what do I say? You ignore him! Then text him back like, new phone, who this? That's how you dodge someone who you don't want to talk to. But you send me those texts all the time. Let's just deliberate. So, so you're saying you never text me? I, I, I thought you... Oh, okay, okay, well, that's right. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe we should stop making this about... Oh, okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. We can't tell you which job to take. But we can tell you. If you have to make the decision for yourself, leave Chorizo out of it. Thanks, Yaya and Nay. That's it for today, guys. Don't forget to tune in to any major news networks at 8 p.m. tonight because Trump will be revealing his Supreme Court pick. 
but don't worry about it too much. We'll probably be complaining about this next week. We'd like to take a moment to shout out to the fire writers and contributors who made today's show happen. Hannah Bergeron, Daryl Bright, Alicia Etinoff, Aria Ariel Hoffmeyer, Erica Jackson, Amani Neville, Katie Pine, Brittany Schultz, Javi Spivey, Ava Yagmahi, Ariel Zucker, and Mama Z. Find us on iTunes under CNT and catch us next Tuesday at 5 on WRCT 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Ariel. And this is er Erica reminding you to wake wake up up and and stay stay woke. woke. Later. Later.